Welcome to Batty to Batty, a monthly podcast by For the Breast of Us, the first breast cancer community for all women of color, where we share real-life experiences, information, and education to help you live your best life after a breast cancer diagnosis. Welcome to Batty to Batty. Welcome to Batty to Batty. Hey baddies, my name is Cynthia and I am a breast cancer baddie ambassador from Houston, Texas, but I'm originally and always will be a Cali girl. I was diagnosed with stage two invasive ductal carcinoma in 2018, and I'm currently going through hormone therapy for the next few years. I am also a proud Bayesian woman and a member of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated. Hey baddies, my name is April, and I am a proud ambassador for the breast of us, repping for our plus size baddies. I live in Columbia, South Carolina, but I am from Brunswick, Georgia. I was diagnosed with stage two invasive ductal carcinoma at the age of 35 in 2016. Triple negative, BRCA1 positive, and also later diagnosed with large B cell lymphoma. I can't wait to start having conversations with you. Let's get into it. All right. Hey, girl. Hey, how are you ladies doing today? Great. How are you? (laughs) Doing wonderful, fantastic, and fabulous (laughs) on this soulful Sunday. So I would like to um, say thank you for joining us, Miss Zuri and Miss Nina, for this episode. It's been a minute. It's been a minute, Sam. It has. We've not not (laughs) asking for a minute. Yeah, it's been a minute, but hey, look, we're back at it like we never left, and we're going to pick up the conversation where we left off. (laughs) So today, we are going to discuss uh, permanent makeup for our sisters who would like to have maybe some permanent tattoos for eyebrows, or maybe you want some nips, so... And we're going to talk about the um, that process and those who have had that experience. So I'm going to yield the floor to you, Sam, to do our introductions. Well, first, let's start with Miss Nina. Nina, can you give us a brief overview about who you are and your cancer diagnosis? <laughs> Woo. All right. Get ready. Hold on. All right. So I am Nina Austin. Uh, I am a three-time cancer survivor. I am, uh, let's see, I'm a speech pathologist, uh, clinical manager of a pediatric uh, rehab clinic right now. So um, I am a busy professional. Uh, I was first diagnosed at the age of 35. I'm also a third generation survivor. So my first diagnosis was at 35 in 
2008 with breast cancer. I had genetic testing because of my age and uh, was found to have BRCA2. Uh, I was BRCA2 positive for both breast and ovarian cancer. <clears throat> so they, I did a lumpectomy and an oophorectomy or the removal of my ovaries at the time. Um, I went on maintenance drugs and in 2014, I had a prophylactic double mastectomy with reconstruction. Um, because it was prophylactic, they did just general prophylactic areas. I'll put it that way. So in 2015, and I stopped taking maintenance drugs not too long after that. In 2015, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. Um, ironically, I, even though I had a double mastectomy, um, they left the left axillary tail of breast tissue. As we know, our breast tissue goes all the way to our backs. And so there was an axillary tail on my left side. So they had to do a revision um, to remove more breast tissue and um, uh, some updated uh, reconstruction. So that happened. And then I went back on um, maintenance drugs. And then in two, that was in 2015. And then in 2020, in the height of the COVID pandemic, I was diagnosed with uterine cancer probably from the maintenance drugs, but anyway, I'm not going to go there. <laughs> um, uh, and so I had my uterus removed and, um, and I am in recovery and remission and doing well and thriving and striving. So that's my story. Well, we are thrilled to have you here after you. your long journeys and yes. eager to hear um, about how P permanent makeup PMU has helped you kind of get back to a little bit more normalcy. And with that, Ms. Zuri, let's talk about you. Tell us who you are. Um, my name is Zuri. I am a permanent makeup artist um, and epidemiologist in Houston, Texas. It's so funny because I never <laughs> thought um, when I began in any of these industries, <laughs> whether in the sciences or in permanent makeup, that there would be a way for me to marry um, my passion for disease prevention with the arts. It was not my intent at all. They developed in isolation, actually. It was not until maybe about two years ago um, when I realized um, how much of my background in the sciences was applicable to permanent makeup. And so I began to build my platform around the art and the science of permanent makeup. That was the platform. But then when COVID hit and I um, became employed um, in disease prevention, um, I saw even more parallel between the two and how um, comorbidities, um, the presence of disease and even, you know, disease prevention played a role in the permanent makeup industry. So um, I have developed a platform that speaks not just about permanent makeup and getting these permanent makeup services, but how to do so safely. And if a person has a condition, um, 
how do we treat that person in a way that is particular to them. Um, I started out doing eyebrows and eyebrows are really um, my area of focus. Um, but I've done all of the services, lips, um, all of the things, hairlines, all of the things. And so the more services I do, the more I realize how much permanent makeup plays a role in recovery as well. I think that I never really considered that permanent makeup could be, you know, a final step in recovery until um, I got into performing some of the other services. And so um, I know, Miss Nina, you recently got your areolas done at PMUCon. So PMUCon was a conference that was born out of a need for us to improve the heel work in women of color. That was the need. Um, disproportionately women of color just had really bad work for whatever the reason was. The work was just not good, whether it was access, whether it was not being able to afford good work or whether it was just sometimes I feel like it was even the tr the technician not being able to afford a good training, not necessarily the customer, but the technician may not be able to afford something that was quality. So permanent PMUCon was all about trying to improve the heel work um, of women of color and how areolas came to be. It's so funny with, you know, areolas um, is that normally what happens is that, um, you know, um, a, per a person, you know, a survivor, they get there, you know, the reconstructive surgery and the areola reconstruction is like that final step um, in trying to restore that normalcy. But what we saw happening was um, doctor's offices were not hiring individuals who specialized in 3D realism. So what was happening was that they would have, I, it could be their medical assistant or their nurse. Hey, I need you to just go tattoo these nips, you know? And so that's what was happening. They were not bringing in people who specialized. And a lot of physicians, they didn't want to pay. You know, I'm already paying a nurse. I'm already paying, you know, a medical assistant. I'm already paying, you know, some other person on my staff. So we're just going to throw them in there and have them do, you know, the nips. And when you look at the way that breast cancer disproportionately impacts women of color, what we saw was that, again, as with everything else in the industry, it was women of color who ended up with the worst nips. They had the worst areola um, reconstructions. And so um, we added areolas because um, we knew how important it was in that final step for women to really feel normal. Nobody wants to walk around with a with an areola that looks like a tattoo. I've seen some really, really bad ones. I'm not sure if y'all have seen some really bad ones, but I've seen some really, really bad ones. And it's just simply from, you know, the physician just asking their nurse, hey, can you just go? And, and it's not any formal training in how to work with the scar tissue, how to tattoo scar tissue, how to choose color for scar tissue. But anyway, permanent makeup has just played such a large role um, in this area. And so I am really trying to highlight that through my platform. So Nina and I both attended PMUCon and um, <clears throat> got to see it firsthand. Um, and it was amazing. I mean, so we think, of course, eyebrows and now nipples, but there are hairline restoration, there's scar reduction. Um, and these are things that as we, we talk a lot in the breast cancer community about 
normalcy and what survivorship looks like and not looking like yourself, operating in a body that no longer looks and feels like your own is a challenge. And permanent makeup helps restore some of that normalcy, that confidence and that self-esteem. And Ms. Nina was brave enough to not only attend PMUCon, but to get her areola tattoos live and in living color as a demo for all of the women in the audience to learn how to do it, how to do it effectively, safely, how to do it specifically for women of color so that it looks hyper-realistic and natural. So Nina, <laughs> I know we've had a few conversations about getting your areola tattoos done and connecting you with Zuri. And then, hey, how do you want, do you want to go be the model? <laughs> In front of a hundred people. In front of a hundred people and cameras and recordings. What did you think? What made you say yes? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I, you know, like, like you said, we've had some conversations about doing it and I was like, oh, well, I could do it for free. <laughs> <laughs> Right. <laughs> that was one. Uh, it was free. Uh, but also the fact that it was so, like I said, I'm a third generation survivor. My mom had a double mastectomy with transplant reconstruction and her plastic surgeon did tattoos in the office. Again, this was over 20, ooh, a long time ago. Uh, it was in the 90s. I put it that way. <laughs> Um, so hers were there, but to me, they looked like tattoos. I mean, they weren't, um, they were dark, um, <laughs> almost green. You, you, you know how you see those old men with tattoos from back in their younger days and they all look green. Right. <laughs> That's kind of how my, I feel like my moms have faded some now. And so they need to be redone, but they are that green hue. And I'm like, that ain't natural, but okay. <laughs> so I didn't want to go that route. Um, and I was just like, at the time, I think I told Cynthia, I was like, you know what? I'm tired of surgery. I'm done. I'm, I'm, you know, I was like, I'll be all right. You know, these ain't real, no way. So ain't nobody looking for nothing. I don't know, but I decided to do it. And then I don't know, in my mind, I just assumed I would be laying on a table you know how you see those uh shows on uh the reality shows and they're like covered with paper and <laughs> just that area and you're not seeing that person's fate nah they saw all of this <laughs> and i was just like oh dang <laughs> late to bag out now <laughs> so i was like well you know i'm here and you know it's kind of one of those things where if you've ever had breast cancer you have, more people have seen your breast than any fans only page, I swear. <laughs> so, you know, me walking around with no shirt on is kind of natural. You just walk through the doctor's office and the nurse is like, oh, no, 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 you need to put your gown back on. I was like, oh, my bad. So that's kind of how I felt. That's kind of how I kind of, you know, trained my mind to think, oh, it's just another medical procedure. I'm just doing this for students or whatever. So I didn't think about it that way. And then I was like, but there are videos of me out there. Oh, wow. Oh, well. 
But I find myself um, doing a double take every morning because, you know, you're so used to. I had my uh, double mastectomy in 2014. So that's been almost 10 years ago. And these last, it's actually been, I probably need to call the lady. But anyway, um, <laughs> you know, I find myself doing a double take because I didn't, it was something I needed and didn't know I needed. Mm. You know, and so now I'm looking in the mirror and I'm like, oh, hey, girl. <laughs> <laughs> What's up? You know, um, and it was one of those experiences that, again, I didn't know I needed until I needed it. And once I had it done, you know, even the procedure to have it done was educational. But then the response from all of the people you know, the thankfulness to see it in live and in person on a real person, the results and the fact that I was able to choose, no, I don't want to go this dark. You know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a caramel color person. I don't need uh dark chocolate nipples. Um, that's not what I remember from my nipples being whenever I had them back then. Uh, um, you know, they were brown, they weren't black. So Mm -hmm. I appreciated that fact. Sorry. Did you show your mom your nipples? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was home recently um, for a, uh, for something, and she came in the room and I was changing clothes, and she was like, "Oh, that's right, you got your nipples done. They look great." I was like, yeah. <laughs> "They look amazing." I'm looking. I'm looking at them like right now. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Zuri allowed us to not just watch Nina get areola tattoos. We got right. to speak about breast cancer and the overwhelming health disparities for women of color and the importance of doing this and doing this well and being trained to do it. This is right. like, like Zuri said, you just don't decide to tattoo somebody mm -mm. and you don't know the color theory, you don't know the science, you don't know the technique to do it well and to have long lasting um, results. And so the response from the women in the audience, the artists being trained was outstanding. It, was, it really was. <laughs> and I, you know, and it was weird cause I didn't want to tag you and all them or like forward them to you. Cause I was like, they're gonna need the titties again. <laughs> <laughs> you know? um, well, like, like all 504 people who liked the post, <laughs> Including me, <laughs> including me, because when Cynthia was while she was there, she started texting Marissa and I like, hey, I'm at PMU and there's someone up here getting areola permanent makeup right now. And I'm like, really? And so she sends us the video. I was like, send pictures. She sends the video. And I was like, oh, she a plus size baddie. Yes. <laughs> yes, girl, yes. But I just, I commend you because you have no idea how large of an impact you made on this community, especially, you know, showing up for, for us and for the, the plus size baddies because, you know, you it, like you don't even think about it. You know, we we have just learned to operate with we just getting by, whatever we need just to get by, and don't even realize how much having something such as 
you know, 3D areolas, how that changes, how you sit up, how you walk into a room, you know, and like before cancer, I've always had thin eyebrows. So, I mean, not having eyebrows really wasn't a big deal for me. But then now I look at Cynthia's eyebrows and I look at, you know, just other women in the community and I'm like, I need to get with Zuri ASAP. Like, right. I'm telling you, <laughs> it's that thing you don't know you and I was like, But you know I what? You really don't want to be petty, but I really want, I'm like, Zuri, I need some eyebrows now. Come on. <laughs> yes. But you know what's funny about it? And I think breast cancer survivor or not, I think as women of color, we are just so used to being like in survival mode. And it's like, oh, we don't need that. I'm good. I can just draw that on. Why do I need that? But it's like, why just draw it on you know mm-hmm. survivor or not like there are so many things that we don't take advantage of because we feel like we don't need them and i have so many clients that come to me and say this is like what i needed that i did not even know that i needed until mm-hmm. i got yeah like, honestly mm-hmm. i just thought it looked nice and i just said oh let me try but now i cannot imagine you know myself being without them and i think that we experience so much as women getting an eyebrow put on our face and taking away that 30 minutes in the morning is small in comparison to the totality of life right like we have so many things to think about in a day but we're denying ourselves something as small as a brow so imagine miss nina going through all you have gone through and saying, well, I've been like this for this long. I don't need the aerial, but why not? You know, Mm -hmm. why not? You know, like just as much as you don't need it, you do, you know, like why, like why not? You know, and I think that we do that about so much stuff and we have to get out of, I mean, I mean like the scar, the, the stretch mark, camouflaging, I mean, even that, you know, we look at stretch marks on our arms and on our thighs. We're like, oh, I wish that wasn't there. And now there's something that can just cover it up and something that small can make me feel better about myself. You know, why not do those things? Mm -hmm. And I think that's so important. I've seen a lot of women, we all react to if we've had chemo, that hair loss differently. And I chop my hair off all the time, but losing it rocked me. Totally different. And I've seen a lot of women who will say that they got through the hair okay, but eyebrows and eyelashes, because then you really look sick. You know, you can throw a wig on, you can do whatever, but, and then for your brows not to come back. And I'm, I'm not a makeup girl, I'm not a brow girl. I never was, I, I don't think I've ever drawn them on, but they didn't come back as thick as they were. Right. And mm-hmm. just like Nina, I, I didn't know till I had them done how much I needed it. Mm-hmm. I just wake up and your girl is flawless. <laughs> <laughs> every every time I do, and I'm like, like the eyebrows do so much to your face it and brings your face. <laughs> you know, I was going somewhere recent, like Friday. And I was like, let me do my eyebrows right quick, and I'm like, I need to call her because right, like, why are you doing your brows? Why are you doing that? Right. Yes. Why are you wasting time? <laughs> yes. I, girl, soon as I get off, as soon as we get off of this, I'm going to text you. <laughs> like, give me some days. Yes. Like, what you got? <laughs> Everybody needs their stuff done. But you know, you know, this is, it's crazy. I think, who, um, I, I forget who, which one of you all said this about, about it being done live. So I've been to many permanent makeup conferences. Um, and so normally at these things, 
getting the survivor who you can do the areolas on live in front of everybody is the hardest thing. It's easy to get a brow person. You know, it's easy to get some of the others. And so I was so adamant about trying to have a live model. And you know what's so funny? Miss Nina, really, you were my model. But (laughs) um, Shira needed a model for live. And I was like, no, we cannot not have them out. And, you know, overwhelmingly, we did a survey and overwhelmingly, like your segment was the one that resonated with people the most um, in our post-conference survey. So thank you so much. I feel like, you know, something as small as that is going to want to make people have a desire to get into paramedical tattooing because cosmetic tattooing, that's one thing. But the paramedical is where we need many more people who specialize in people of color. Um, Shira, um, the the um, artist who did the areola, she tells me all the time how she has people who call her up. And just like with, you know, the physicians that we see, many women do not want a person who is not a person of color performing the service on them for the reason that you mentioned. I think when you're black, when you're African-American or, you know, a black person grabbing black is the is the go to. Let me just grab black because I know that's dark enough. That'll show up, you know, on her skin. And so we end up seeing a lot of green, blue brows, areolas, like even, you know, regular body art tattoos for just lack of knowledge and understanding about um, how to choose color and how that color is going to age in the skin and all of those things. So that was extremely impactful for the group. And we really cannot wait. I've already been speaking with Cynthia about how are we going to involve for the rest of us in the programming? Yes. How do we make it? Because we made it like a like we had you on the stage that was planned, but then we made it like an impromptu thing. Cynthia's getting up, talking, <laughs> doing her stuff. And so now we need to figure out how to make it more of a thing. Because one of the things I try to tell the artists, like with my background in the sciences, is that you know, we still have to be whole people in order to perform these services on other people. You know, it's like it's easy to take a breast cancer survivor as a client, but are you getting your checks? You know, are you checking frequently are you doing your due diligence for yourself and i think that's something that we need to highlight more in this community because people of color service people of color so we Mm -hmm. can't talk about the client of color without talking about the technician because people go to people who look like them you know Mm -hmm. so it's like we can hit this thing from both ends like if we're strategic enough and try hard enough to do it absolutely and as you speak to not just the paramedical client if you're servicing brows all day, every day, that's an opportunity to be able to educate and have these conversations that we don't have often enough. Hey, when was your last mammogram? Mm-hmm. Hey, your family history. I know somebody I can connect you with to help educate you. Or if you come across somebody recently newly diagnosed, then you also have the resources to share. And I am so grateful for that opportunity because <clears throat> Nina and I hung around after her session and women came up to ask questions. To talk to us, you know, when should they get a mammogram? What age does that start? How do they know if they're at a higher risk? And so there is definitely space to do some educating while also performing these services to make women feel normal again. (laughs) Exactly. So, Zuri, speak a little bit about how should a woman evaluate her artist? Like, how can we find artists who are trained to 
well for women of color? So the very first thing that I tell people to look at, you know, it's so funny because we always we 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 love telling people to do their research. <laughs> you know, knowledge, even knowing how to do research, I mean, that's a privilege because we say that a lot. And so, but the very first thing I tell people to look for is the healed work. Okay. Like, how does this work look over time? So, not just after a month or two months, but what does the work look like six months, 12 months, 24 months? 36 months. What does the work look like? Um, because that is going to give you some idea of how stable the work is over time. Because what we see a lot in the permanent makeup industry is that we see a lot of photos that look great when they're initially posted. And that gets a lot of clients. But what we never see is what that looks like over time. Did it turn green? Did it turn blue? We never see that. And so the very first thing you want to look at is a person who... Um, the healed work. The second thing that I try to explain to people is that it doesn't matter whether we call it cosmetic makeup, you know, paramedical tattooing, a tattoo is a tattoo. Anytime you are taking a needle and you are taking some ink of some sort and you are getting it under the skin, in most places, in most states, it falls under tattooing. So with that, you know, most People, mo most states actually do not require um, heavy credentialing in order to be able to do the service. So it's a double-edged sword. So you have a lot of people who can access the industry easily, which is good if you have integrity and you do your due diligence and train. But it's not great because anybody can pick up a machine without any clinical experience, without any um technical skill. And so I tell, you know, people, we would not let anybody incise any other organ of our body. But for some reason, we're so okay with them incising our skin as if the skin is not an organ as well. Right. You know, and so I try to say, if you look at this person's page, would you allow this person to dissect any other area of your body? Because that's what you're doing. And there's no way around the fact that I am taking a needle. I am breaking the skin, which is the largest organ of our body. And I am implanting some ink or some pigment in a wound. And I am hoping that it heals in a way um, where it is still safe. So if you would not let them do that on any other part of your body, then that's probably not a person you should allow to break your skin. So. I mean, reviews are great, but I think that, you know, reviews can be a little biased sometimes because people tend to only ask the clients who they know had a good experience, you know, to leave them a review. Nobody's asking someone whose experience wasn't great um, to leave them a review. So I would say, look at the heel work. And does this person seem credible? Does this person seem like they are knowledgeable? If they are only just posting work on their page, that's normally a telltale sign that that person is not knowledgeable about the technical or scientific principles of the service if all they can post is work. We hear this a lot at work all the time, Cynthia. You know, there's no substitute for knowledge and experience. I feel like that gets thrown around, but I see in the permanent makeup industry where it rings so true. There are people with experience and their experience because people come to them, right? People are booking, but they do not have the knowledge. They really, really, really don't have the knowledge. They're just able to tactically draw, right? Or they're just able to kind of fill in a brow after they've drawn it, but they do not have any technical knowledge or expertise. And I feel like that is something that you can tell in your research. You know, if they're if they're only able to educate you about the A through Z of doing the service, that's probably a person who is not very, very knowledgeable um, clinically about providing the service.
I don't know how many women, myself included, know what the healed work should look like. Should right. I expect almost the same brow a year out, two years out? When should it start to fade? Right. And so that's a part of the knowledge, right, mm -hmm. that the artist should be um, important. Somewhere the artist should be saying, well, you know, the brow is only going to fade a certain, maybe about 25% per year. So a person gets their brows done after a year, the brow is still going to be there, maybe with about 25 to 30% less pigment. For most people, they're okay with that. They'll take that little pencil, similar to yours. Cynthia, your brow is very much still there. Now, it may not be as defined as it was like a year ago, but your brow is still there. And for the most part, you can take your pencil, fill in any gaps that may be there, um, and then you kind of you're able to go on about your day. Um, so the artist should be providing education about when it is appropriate to come back. And I think a skilled artist, a credible artist is going to tell you that you should not be coming back every year. A skilled mm. artist is more concerned about um, the clinical safety than, than their bottom line, right? Like I make more money if you come back every year. But if I'm telling you, well, I don't want to build up, have an excess buildup of scar tissue. I don't want to overload the absorption capacity of the skin unnecessarily. If I'm telling you maybe every year and a half to two years, that's probably somebody that you can trust. Because otherwise, they'd be telling you to come back every six months to 12 <laughs> months every time your brow starts to fade because then they make more money, you know, off of that. Um, so that's also a telltale sign of, is this a person that I should be booking with? Something else is that over time, does your brow just look like a lighter version of itself, right? So what we don't want, the work, the permanent makeup work, whether it is scar camouflage, whether it's areola, whether it's brow, whether it's scalps, it should not turn color. What it should it be, it just should become a lighter version of itself it should not be turning and so what we see in the industry sometimes they're red we've talked about the green we've talked about the blue we've talked about even the gray that is a very 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 um common you know turning of the color that we see but the brow really should become just a lighter version of itself it should not completely turn in color um over time scar tissue when you rub the area that you got serviced does it still feel smooth for the most part? If it feels a little grainy, if it feels as if there's some scar tissue underneath, that's normally an indication that the technician went too deep and that they caused some buildup of scar tissue, you know, underneath. So a good artist is educating you about all of the things to look for, because if they're not, they may be doing some of those things that they would be cautioning you, you know, against. So a really, really, really good artist is doing more educating than the posting of work, if that makes sense. Because once I post one brow, I've posted them all. I don't have to post everybody's brows on this call for you to mm -hmm. know. Right. It's more so about trying to educate and build the trust um, in the potential client. Nina, let's talk about your tattoo experience. Did it hurt? Was it what you expected? What was the, the pain and aftercare like? So, um, as some people know, I mean, if you've had a mastectomy or whatever, it's pretty numb to a certain extent. Um, I have lymphedema, however, on my left side. So it's a little more sensitive than 
you know, normal. Um, so that was a little, um, it didn't hurt, but it was uncomfortable, I guess. Yeah. Kinda like you like, feel that something's going on. Right. Yeah. You feel it. And your skin's like, um, what is going on here? <laughs> but it wasn't so bad. And then, you know, she, um, she had the, um, some lidocaine. So mm -hmm. that helped a lot. And that's something like, I have a tattoo here that is, yeah. Yeah, we see. <laughs> so that hurt. I mean, the thing, the, 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 the skin there is very thin. It hurt. It hurt. Um, but the areola uh, didn't feel that bad. I put it that way. Um, after care, um, she put the tachyderm on it. And so I took it off after a week. And I don't know why but in my mind, I was like, oh my God, it's going to come off when I take this tachyderm off. <laughs> I mean, but there was, I mean, there was a little ink on it, but, and then I was like, oh my God, I'm doing something wrong. I'm peeling my skin off. And then I was like, oh, okay, it's fine. Um, it didn't, it, it was a little sore, like uh, the first day or so, but after that it was, it was fine. Um, I didn't get it wet and I took the tachyderm off. I put some. Shea butter on my, I mean, I mean, I put shea butter everywhere. So <laughs> I was like, I sure hope this okay. <laughs> and it worked. I mean, it was fine. I didn't have any flaking or anything like that. I know and when I had this one done, I did have a little, my skin kind of flaked, but I think the guy, who, the little kid who did mine, I don't think he was that good. So I need to have this one touched up anyway. But um, it wasn't a bad experience i'll put it that way i think some of it was adrenaline i mean i was in front of 100 people half naked so <laughs> some of that was that but other than that um it was fine my nipples are still brown um there's definite um there's definition where you know the areola and the you know the nips should be and so there that 3d look is still there um it's been Two months has it been a while. Yeah, something like, like that. Mark, it's been almost two months. So you're actually coming up on a touch up. Yes, yes, it's almost time for your touch up. Yes. So, and I, you know, me, I'm looking in the mirror like, do I need a touch up? I don't know. But yeah, it's about that time, and things are looking good. I, I guess I need to call Sherry, but um, we'll get you books for that. Yeah. Yay! I think it's one of those things where it's like, I think you know, that's another like, you know. Do I need to get that? Yes. You, we are going to follow through on the entire service because you know what, what it does is it increases the longevity of the brow, okay. of, the brow of, the, of the work. Oh, so if, I, if you didn't get the touch up, of course, it'll be fine. But getting this touch up will give you, a, a extend your areola an entire year, you know, so it's just go ahead okay. and get it, go through that 10 day um, healing process. But normally, Cynthia, like these services and, you know, it's like even when they're uncomfortable, they're not worth not getting. Absolutely. About, like Absolutely. The, the way they make feel about yourself that mm -hmm. 45 minutes of discomfort it's just totally not worth not doing. No, you know? and for so many of us, we have been through so many more awful things that they, oh my have, gosh. they, have, they have the benefit for sure, but not the kind of immediate benefit that 
the boost to your confidence, right? Yeah, my yeah. didn't hurt. Mm-hmm. Right? Could I tell something was going on? Was it kind of like, uh, what is that? But they absolutely did not hurt. I would absolutely do it again. Mm-hmm. And I just recommend it for anybody who wants it, breast cancer survivor or not. Um, my experience, and I probably thought I'd a few women like, why are you in there doing all that? It's not, no, it is that serious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I think we all yeah. feel like that. Yeah. 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 Because why we're trying to extend our life. So we're doing these things because we have to. Um, I had a conversation with my mom about doing the reconstruction as well as doing the um, getting uh, the tattoos for, for my nips. And my mom, as well as my sister, were both like, well, you know, do you really have to do that? I was like, listen, if I had to do what I needed to do to save my life, I'm going to do what I want to do to feel good about myself, whether it hurts, whether it doesn't hurt, you know, we've got to stop operating from this place of just doing what we got to do. And just like you said earlier, Zuri, doing the things that make us feel good. You know, even if you don't see why it's necessary, we'll do it anyway, you know, mm-hmm. do it anyway. I didn't so. think it was necessary until every morning I get out the shower and be dancing in front of the like, hey. Yes. <laughs> you know what? Like that is like with anything. I am like at a stage in my life where it's like if they are out here selling it, I am buying it. <laughs> if it's Botox, if it's lipo, if it's whatever it is that y'all have out here, I want it. Like my edges getting thin i saw a little hair transplant from the back to the front i'm like look whatever it is that y'all have you know i want y'all honestly aside from like you know the conversation that we're having now there was a point in time when women of color could not even dream of getting this stuff done notwithstanding that it's available and now you know it's an option right do you have to there was a point in time when us getting a brow or even getting an areola like i that was so list low on the list of priorities that we have as black women when you think about the systemic racism in this country and just the way you know that this country has prevented us from having access you know to a lot of things there was actually a point in time and this is how i feel about permit makeup you know it was there was not a lot of access and i feel like we were strategically priced out of getting a lot of services i feel like just mm-hmm. like lipo, right i feel like you know everybody wanted to get lipo and they wanted to be shaped and stacked you know like women of color and now that we're getting the services everybody now wants to remove their implants right i feel like there were certain things that were designed to remain exclusive but we are now coming in saying nope no 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 Y'all have been getting it. We're going to start getting it too. What is the reason for me not to be able to do this very simple thing that you all have been doing all along? So I'm getting it just because it's there, just because it's available, just because y'all have it. I'm trying it out. Like I am doing all of the things and I feel like we deserve that because we are really late to the party, unfortunately. We are late. 
Like they've been getting brows, they've been getting lips, they've been doing all of these things, and we've just been saying, "Well, let me thank God. This is how God made me." No, 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 no. We appreciate the way God made us, and 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 thank God for the technician who can enhance what I already have. Thank you. You know, one of the things, and I, I, I feel some type of way because. I was a big breasted woman. Woman, um, I was a G cup, okay, a G cup. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're looking at me and you you're remembering those pictures. I was a G cup, so I went from a G cup to roughly a C cup. Now, the reason that I had to do that was because all these women trying to shape be like us, <laughs> and with big boobs, small waist, and big hips had the industry so that they had to put a limit on the amount of CCs that could be in an implant. So at this point now, you can only get a 400 CC implant. That's as large as you can go. They're doing, I know that there was a study back in 16, I think, that they were trying to do something with the the implants again, but um, it was because all those women were dying from getting those stacking those implants on top of each other and then they were leaking into their bloodstreams and killing folk but now the people who have deep chest or deep chest wall like i do no matter what the projection is on your implant 400 cc's is only going to give me a c cup regardless of what i do you know what i wanted was at least a d cup Right. I couldn't get that. And so now I have to wear this thing. I was going to say, you're not pulling out this 3D nipple. No. (laughs) (laughs) Pulling out her prosthesis. (laughs) Yeah, my prosthesis. Wow. It's not even, it's just so, because I'm a plus size woman, I need my boobs to be bigger than my belly. Right. So I can't do that if I'm a C cup. You know, I need some enhancement to look normal and proportionate. See, that's a whole nother episode, a whole nother conversation Yes. about the options that are given to us for reconstruction. So like you, I was in the G unit, H unit, J unit before breast cancer. And I remember uh, meeting with a doctor who said that they didn't think I was the, the only option I ever wanted was a deep flap. Um, and this particular surgeon said, well, I don't think you're going to be happy with that. I think you'll be more happy with um, having implants. And I was like, well, no, I'm, I'm really not interested in that. And he was like, well, you know, you know, you're too fat for the deep flap anyway. Well, what? Oh, yeah. I'm, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What did you say? <laughs> Exactly. And I ended up, of course, getting, I ended up getting a deep flap. I shouldn't say, of course, I ended up getting a deep flap. I went to another surgeon and he did a phenomenal job it, to the point now when I tell people, yeah, I'm a breast cancer survivor. The first thing they do is look down and then they're like, uh, did you have it removed? Yes. Yes, I did. I had them removed. <laughs> so, you know, Nina, that's a, we don't have to bring you back on for a conversation on another day, just talking about the options that were presented to us yeah, when I was as plus size women. Right. When I was first diagnosed in 2008 and I was, let's just say I was several pounds lighter than I am now. 
I was told I was morbidly obese. I was a gym rat in the, I was Megan stacked. You heard me with big titties. And he told me no. And I was like, you're not gonna, you're, so I opted for a lumpectomy at the time. And my, my um, oncologist was very upset with me. And I was like, this is who I am, you know, but that's for another episode. Let's go back to makeup, <laughs> sorry. So this is a question for both Nina and Zuri. What advice would you give to someone who's considering or thinking about permanent makeup? Let's start with Nina first. Um, I think it is kind of like what Zuri said. If it's available to you, try it. I never knew I needed it until I had it. And now I'm like, okay, I need brows. I think I want my <laughs> lips done. I want these scars gone. I was like, what else can I do with this uh, tattoo? Come on, let's come with it. Let's do this because um, it was a boost to my self-esteem. I didn't know I needed. Um, been working with my therapist on self-image and what? I can cross this one off the list. Hey, <laughs> I'm not saying my self-image is all still not the greatest, but I feel better about myself. I walk a little differently. I'm sticking my chest out a little prouder because I have, I got nipples now. I can take my shirt off, but you know. (laughs) I think that is the funny before that nobody knows. Nobody knew you didn't have nipples. Nobody knows you now have nipples. Exactly. But it's still such a boost to you. It was, it's all about me and my Right, exactly. Yes. Very true. So Missouri, what would you what advice would you give? My advice is that if you are on the fence about it, as you would do with anything else, just pick up the phone and consult. That's it. You have no obligation to go through with it, but just pick up the phone, go into somebody's salon and just do a consultation. There are so many women who are on the fence about it, and I just Tell them, hey, come in. Let me just draw your brow. Let me just show you what they could look like. And they all say, are you telling me that this is what I would look like every day? And I'm like, well, yeah, this is what you would look like every day, you know, if you decided to get your brows done. So it's okay to not be completely sold, but it's not okay to not be able to make a decision without all of the facts. We don't want to be looking at Instagram saying, oh, I don't need that. That's not a good enough reason. You pick up the phone, you do a consultation, you let somebody, you know, shape your brows or show you what your stretch marks could look like or draw out your areola and you still decide it's not for you, then great. But don't be a bystander. Don't like passively allow your life to just kind of pass you by without you ever really, really knowing something so simple as a brow can just make you feel so different about yourself. I I did an interview and somebody asked me, do you think that these services are superficial? Do you agree when people say things like, oh, you don't need to get all of that? Why are you doing all that to your face? And I said, even though I'm just, this is very anecdotal evidence, but overwhelmingly, I'm going to say 98% of my clients say that getting these services make them wear less makeup than more makeup. 
And so what they have found is that by getting this done, they can be more authentically themselves because when they didn't have their brows done, they would have to get up in the morning and put on the brow. And once you put on the brow, you have to put on foundation so that the brow doesn't look so dark. And now once foundation is on, now I got to add a lash to bring the whole look together. And now I got to add some lip color. But by having their brows done, that they are more authentically themselves and they genuinely like their face. Like we cannot act like we don't all go through periods or look in the mirror. And we just don't like how our face looks. We all go through that. And they genuinely now like the way their face looks. So if you don't want to get it, don't get it. But don't just passively decide. Actively decide. Get a consultation. Let somebody draw it out. Talk to somebody. And if you decide it's not for you, then great. But at least just try. <clears throat> I think that's a really good point because like you said, you wake up and you just feel kind of already put together. And so you don't have to do all of the extra all of all of the time. And again, just like with anything, if extra is you, great, be extra, you know, but also there's a way to do it a little easier sometimes. And again, I've never been a makeup girl. I didn't really do all the brow stuff, but I never going without a brow ever again in life. <laughs> I'm gonna be 85. Because why? You're gonna be tattooing these brows. <laughs> because why would you go without a brow? Because exactly. why? Who <laughs> knows? And even with my glasses, I think it is the perfect touch. Yes. You know, but again, more power to you. These services exist. And I think, again, I think they're important for all women. But in this community, especially when we talk so much, cancer changes. Everything. everything and i mean imagine a 3d nipple in a bra that nobody sees but you and here miss nina miss nina walking with right. her. <laughs> nobody even knows why she's walking like that but she knows mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and, and that's what matters you know yep yeah. and it's it does. Girl, i don't quite have that understanding i mean I can't fathom what it is to look down and not see nipples. Like that's mm -hmm. big. Mm -hmm. It is it's huge. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I remember. After and and my, you made a comment. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, yeah. After my mastectomy, I woke up and was like, "Mind you, after a mastectomy, I went from a G cup to nothing. Right. <laughs> that was traumatic." I was like, mm -hmm. what the hell? And I think about that, and I don't want to put her business in the street, but my sister was supposed to have a nipple-sparing mastectomy. And, oh, of course, it was, if we can, we will save your nipple. And mm -hmm. we get home, and we're changing bandages. There's no nipple. And, but nobody told her. Wow. So That's not only you, do you wake up and you're completely flat, and to discover that you no longer have nipples and nobody even gave you a warning, but to walk through life with that. And just imagine, like you say, nipple areola, especially for women of color, is is new. Right. Mm -hmm. and how many women are just walking around not knowing that they could feel a lot more normalcy around the amputation of their breasts? Because that's what it is. That's exactly <laughs> what it is. It's an amputation. You know, it's not a boob job. It's an know, amputation. It's an amputation because, yeah. you know, you know, they talk about phantom pain from mm -hmm. missing their legs and their arms. I have phantom pain in my chest. Right? I do, too. Yeah, yeah, I do. And it ain't it ain't nice. Mm -mm. <laughs> no. 
Mm -mm. It's a scratch that you can never, that you, it's an itch that you can never scratch. Exactly. No matter how much you rub and massage, it's, you can't, it's, it's crazy. It is. And people don't understand it. So you can't explain it. You know, I've been in my desk sometimes and, you know, I guess someone will pass by and I'll be having a pain and I'll be like, oh, and they're like, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, what's wrong? And I was like, even if I told you, you wouldn't understand. You couldn't even fan. You know, you can't even. Yeah, no. But but the thing, something is simple, and I'm using that term loosely as a tattoo, because the science, the technique, the skill behind it is not simple. But it took what 30, 45 minutes. Right. Mm-hmm. And now your swagger is on ten again. Like. Exactly. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, but like, I mean, I the the whole point so. I knew what we did was going to be important and I wanted to follow this up with this conversation because again, how many women are walking around with no nipple, no eyebrow or less eyebrows than they had scarring and we can change it. Cynthia, you know what's funny that you bring that up is because it's 2023, right? Mm -hmm. And makeup, you know, that's a thing. That's a thing that we're all, even if you weren't into it before, we all see the Instagram pages, you know, everybody's doing makeup tutorials and everything. You would not believe how many women still message me. Oh, sorry. I fell out of my So <laughs> like, can you tell me about this? And we are talking about just the regular eyebrow surgery. Right. So imagine something like an areola. How many women do not know that that is available? That's even less women than who even know about the brow. It's 2023 mm-hmm. and people still do not know what microblading, micro shading is. Right. Surely they don't know, mm-hmm. you know, about an areola and how you can get an areola, you know, not tattooed. I mean, you know, Miss Nina, if you were to raise your shirt up, nobody would know that if they were to touch it, you know, that it was right. look, exactly looks like mine. So imagine mm-hmm. how many are- how many tattooed areolas we've seen and we just didn't even know that the areola was tattooed. You know, like it looks so yes. no, but people do not know that this exists. Exactly. Like anytime I post, hey, areola reconstruction, people are like, what's that? What's that like, Ariel? Like, like what? What do you mean? Like, they do not know what I'm talking about. Mm-mm. They do. And not- I show people pictures, and they're like, "That's a tattoo. That's not real." And I'm like, "Yes." And I think for people, especially non-women, mm. I don't even think people really put two and two together and go, "You can lose your whole nipple." Right. You know, I don't think I don't even know that I fully was clear on how much goes away with a mastectomy until I really joined this world. Because again, why does for the rest of us exist? Because images of us don't exist out there. Mm-mm. That's right. So when was the last time you even saw a picture? I had a lady. T- uh, I had a, I had a woman in um, after I'd had my mastectomy. Um, I was in like one of the areas, just one of the quiet rooms of the hospital. And she walked up to me and was like, hey, what are you doing here? And, you know, just started talking. And she's like, oh, who's your doctor? And um, I told her, she's like, oh, we have the same doctor. And she flipped and showed me her boobs. And I was like, who is this crazy woman? Like, she's like, oh, do you want to feel them? And at the time, you know, I'm young in this. I'm like, no, don't touch your breast. I didn't didn't even ask to look at them. But... (laughs) On the other side of that, 
when I have conversations with women and they're like, oh, I can't, oh, well, let me show you. Give me a hand, touch <laughs> But, exactly. you know, it's, so Nima, if you out here flashing people and showing the world now that you got these new nips, please show them so that way that, you know, people understand and know that, you know, this is a thing. Right. And I, and until we have more conversations about this, you know, I'm just sitting here thinking, Cynthia, we need a page of like maybe before and after just right. so women can see like this is what you may look like at the beginning of the process or six months in or after a year. Um, just so that way we're educating each other about this, this wonderful I don't know. I don't even know. I can't even get my words together, but just know that this is, you have access to this, right. that this is a thing. This is real. This is something you can do and don't be ashamed about it and don't allow anyone to make you feel ashamed about it. I, right. think, I think that's a good point because we talk about access. We talk about options. There are a million and one different treatment options, surgical options. You should know everything that's available to you, including these services for after treatment and to get you back to feeling like who you are. Missouri, can you speak to, to a little bit about the cost and how insurance is beginning to cover the service? Yes, so so insurance actually can cover um, that piece. Um, and so I don't have the wording exactly correct, but um, I guess the statute or however you would describe it, um, it is described as the anything that is reasonable to restore the nipple mound is how it, it reads um, with whatever the bill or the statute was that was passed that allowed insurance to pay. And so what your physician is able to do um, if they are willing, because it's optional for them, they are able to bill your insurance for the reconstruction of the nipple mound and include the um, areola restoration along with that. So when you go and you get your services done, your physician may bring in someone like me to actually do the tattooing, but everything gets billed to your insurance and the technician will get paid um, from the doctor's office once you know the insurance does the payout. So that is possible um, to be done. If you were unable to go the insurance route, um, the problem with that is that um, depending upon your insurance, you don't know exactly how much your insurance is going to pay. Um, so there are some individuals who opt not to go with the insurance and they may pay something like, you know, $300 to get both nips done, which is still, you know, relatively inexpensive for something that you're going to have like up to five years um, before you really need a touch up, but it can be done. So if you're interested in getting your areolas done, you definitely should ask your physician. But with that, you need to ask your physician to see the work of the individual who is going to be doing um, the tattooing. You want to make sure that they don't just have someone um, who is just like, you know, their nurse or their medical assistant who really is not trained in 3D realism. So it's okay for you to ask those questions, or you may be able to find a physician who is willing to take you just for that piece. I have known physicians who will take clients just for the reconstruction of the areola, and you're able to go to their artist as well. 
but the insurance can cover that um, completely um, at no cost to the patient. Yeah, and I think this is why this conversation surrounding <clears throat> access and the skill and the training is so important because, again, if insurance is going to cover it, it's likely 99% going to be at a doctor's office. And so those doctors and the teams that they choose need to be trained and or willing to contract with a trained and skilled artist, particularly in the skin of women of color. Because again, if you're going to make this choice, please do, but please do it the right way, right? Because you don't want to be on the fence, decide to do it and then not get the work that you deserve you know, and then it becomes a turn off to the service. So I think the more we have these conversations and begin talking about it, it can become um, something that we begin to advocate for um, as we've done so many other things. So I think this is really, really, really important for us. Um, and I'm so grateful to start this conversation. I'm eager to see how many women know this exists or have even considered it for themselves or thought it a possibility. So as we get ready to wrap up, again, Miss Mina, I want to thank you. <laughs> again, you got on stage in front of a hundred women with a camera and the internet on. <laughs> Your picture yes. is floating around on the internet. I know. <laughs> you know. The impact has yet to be fully seen. It is so important and it was so incredibly brave of you. And we are so grateful in Missouri. We thank you for for the opportunity, for the platform to do this and to do it bigger and better next year, right? Yeah. So Betty's out there, Houston, Texas. What is it, March 2024? It's a Mar next year, it's gonna be March 21st through the 24th of okay. 2024. So it's that spring break, tail end of spring break weekend. We'll be in Houston, Texas. And so we are gonna start thinking about how are we going to incorporate the baddies into our programming, not just with, you know, providing us a model, but just really figuring out ways that we can continue to, you know, push this message um, and really, really get artists to understand how impactful their work is. A, a lot of artists, you know, and I and I get it, you know, as women of color, like we need to survive. We have family to take care of. So we do want to make money. I get it. But I think sometimes the financial implications of the industry clouds the purpose and how impactful the work is. And I think that this is just the perfect way for us to continue to show how impactful the work is that we do. Um and just how meaningful, like it really, really and truly is. And so I think collectively we can work to really push that message, even amongst the artists. <clears throat> I really do appreciate that. Um, Miss Nina, closing yeah. words, tell the people where to find you. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I'm on Instagram <laughs> at uh, NY Austin, I think, and um, probably on Facebook somewhere. And <laughs> And, uh, yeah, that's about it. I mean, if you need me, send know how to get in touch with me. <laughs> in Missouri, tell the people where to find you and let the people know that if you're in Houston or willing to travel to Houston from time to time, Missouri needs models. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> 
So artistry rosary at artistry rosary. That is how you can find me on Instagram. If you are in, if you are willing to travel, I am willing to accept you. All of my areola work right now is being done for completely free. So please come out and see me. Um, yeah, I would love to give you some areolas to take back home so you can be walking around like Miss Nina with an extra little bounce in your step. Um, so yeah, at Artistry Rosary and follow PMUCon at PMUCon underscore. That is where you can find out all of the great work that we are doing, trying to improve the healed work of women of color. And I think also, um, if you follow PMUCon, you might find that there's an artist in your area who has uh, learned the science behind why we do, why they do what they do from Missouri. And you can rest assured that that is the artist that you might want to really look into. And so, again, I just really want to thank you. April, any closing words? Um, only closing words I have is, you know, it ain't Pippin if you got it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so if you don't have it, get it and pip it. <laughs> Yeah. I, I absolutely agree. Permanent makeup <laughs> is important, period. And that's for men, women, everybody. If there's something out there you want to get done to feel better about yourself, go for it. But I think it's equally important in this space. And I'm grateful for this opportunity to share. So thank you all. And we will see you next time. This is another Baddie Creation brought to you by For the Rest of Us. Don't forget to subscribe to Batty to Batty wherever you get your podcasts. And follow us on Facebook and Instagram at For the Breast of Us, on Twitter at The Breast of Us, and check us out online at breastofus.com. Thanks for listening.